Well, good morning. So it's simultaneously a privilege and a terrifying thing to approach the pulpit. So one advantage of a short notice is the terror is a lot less. In length of time, it's just a lot more intense. But I do appreciate Jason and, and the session and their uh, trust to let me be here this morning. If you would, turn with me to the book of Mark. So I, I wasn't prepared to preach on First Peter this morning, but um, turn to Mark chapter 2. In your pew Bibles, it's on page 543. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. And he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. Lord God, in your goodness and mercy, we thank you for allowing us to gather this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, may you speak to us that which we need to hear. For we ask this in Christ's name, amen. So my uncle was a lifelong infantry officer in the, in the Army, and his final duty station was Fort Benning, Georgia. And I can remember going to uh, Fort Benning numerous times to, to visit him, but on his, uh, during his retirement ceremony before it, we went to go visit the, the infantry museum that's there. And out front, there's a huge statue of a, uh, of a soldier. He's carrying his, his rifle. And he's looking over his shoulder, and he's going like this. And in the inscription at the bottom, it says, follow me. Did I get that right, Andy? So, um, but that's the whole, the whole concept of you, the, the, the leader, the, the infantry officer leading his men saying, follow me. Follow me into danger. Follow me as we take that hill. Follow me. But it's not an original call. We see here in, in Scripture that that's the same call that Christ used for his disciple, for, for Matthew. I mean, for, yeah, for Matthew. But interesting, it's also the same one that he used for Peter and Andrew at the beginning of Mark, the first disciples that he called. He's walking along the seashore, and he sees these two fishermen, Peter and, Peter and Andrew, and he simply says, follow me. And in response, Scripture says they left their nets and they left their dad. They left their livelihood and they left their family to go and follow Christ. Christ didn't give any provisions. There wasn't any contract. There wasn't any 
uh, results. There wasn't any 401k or life insurance plan. It was a simple command of follow me. And I don't know about you, but that grips me from time to time as I wonder, am I following Christ? Am I following him in the things that he has asked me to do? Not out of a sense of obligation because I think I'm going to earn his favor, but is it a, in a glad response for all that Christ has done for me? Am I willing to do what he asks? It's a very convicting question because I don't know about you, but I, know go through, I go through seasons in my life where I can come up with all kinds of excuses why Jesus didn't say what he said and why he didn't mean what he meant and why God didn't, didn't really mean the things that are in Scripture that we are to do. Follow me. But you know, it's not even original with Christ. Well, it is original in that Christ is the eternal word and always was and always shall be. But it is always, it was actually instrumental in other parts of Scripture as well. If you go back to 1 Kings and that great battle between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. You know the story, you know that there was all these the Baal worship was horrendous and going on, and Elijah summons them to a, to a duel, as it were. The duel of the gods. Is Baal God or is Jehovah God? It's a very uh, compelling story, you know. All the people assemble, you know the story, and, and, and the Baal worshipers, uh, priests, 400 of them, they, they build their altar and they put their sacrifice on it, and... Uh, all morning and all afternoon, they're calling and they're praying to Baal and they're slashing themselves. Oh, Baal, answer us. Burn up this sacrifice. And, you know, Elijah starts poking fun at him. Oh, maybe Baal's going to the bathroom. Maybe he's gone on a trip. And then finally at the end, he has them pour water on his sacrifice and dig a trench around the altar and pour so much water on it that it flows down over the sacrifice and into the trench around it. And Elijah says, how long will you limp along between two opinions? He says that not only to the priest, but to all the people that were assembled there. How long will you limp along if Baal is God, follow him. But if Jehovah is God, follow him. And then after that, he prays, and of course, God sends the fire down from heaven and burns up the sacrifice and burns up all, dries up all the water. It's an incredible, incredible story of God's demonstrating who he is in front of a wicked and perverse people. But it's that same call, follow me, follow God. And even before that, Joshua, near the end of his life, he has that famous saying that maybe many of you have in, in your, written in your homes. He goes, you know, serve who you will, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will follow the Lord. It's that same call that comes down through Scripture. And, in, and Christ uses it in the calling of his disciples. 
Now, Matthew was a, was a tax collector. That means he was a Jewish citizen entrusted by Rome to, tax, to take the taxes for Rome. And tax collectors were permitted to take extra as much as they wanted to enrich in themselves. So they were hated. They were hated by the Jews because they were seen like they were sold out to the, to, the, uh, to the Roman government. They were Jews in name, but they were actually working for the Roman government. And they were enriching themselves at the expense of their, of their fellow Jewish citizens. And there were these tax collector booths set up, set up on, on the roadways, on the canals, to, to, tar, to charge for use of the road and the waterways. And they had them set up on the, on the sea to tax the fish that the fishermen got. So if you get this picture in your head, Jesus has just done this miracle healing a few verses back. And he's walking along the beach there in Capernaum. And he's just walking by and he sees Matthew there, the hated tax collector, the hated one, the one that everybody reviled, very wealthy. And Matthew looks at him and says, I mean, and Jesus looks at Matthew and just says, follow me. Matthew didn't ask any questions. It says he got up and he left his tax collector booth and he not only followed Jesus, he had Jesus come over to his house that very evening and he had a big party and invited other tax collectors and other sinners. And Jesus gladly fellowshiped with them. It's an incredible picture, isn't it? I, I, I've wondered what, do Peter, what did Peter and Andrew think? I mean, Matthew might have collected the tax on their fish. I mean, were they saying, Lord, are you sure about him? He, he's gotten wealthy off of our fish. But we don't read about any of these things that are there. We only see a heart that has changed. And that Matthew gladly follows Christ. And not only gladly follows him, but invites his friends over to meet Christ. It's compelling what a changed heart will do. Tax collectors, Jesus told the story of, in, in Luke 18, if you remember the story about, he said, a Pharisee and a tax collector went in the temple to pray. And the Pharisee said, oh God, I thank you I'm not like other people. I thank you I'm not like this tax collector. This is my paraphrase. And, um, they, and the tax collectors just said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I wonder what Matthew thought when Jesus was telling that story. Tax collectors went out to go see John the Baptist. And they said to John, they said, what should we do? And it's funny, John tells the tax collectors, he doesn't tell them stop being tax collectors. He just said, just take the amount of money of the tax, no more, and basically be honest in your dealings.
follow me. For each of us, following Christ looks different in the externals. Some of us, well, he calls us to all manner of professions, outside or inside the home. But in the internals, the following Christ should all look the same. We should all love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind. We should all be willing to live lives that are absolutely morally pure and above reproach. Our language should reflect a changed heart. It should not be full of anger and bitterness and slander. On and on and on, the things that Christ continually tells and Paul and God throughout all of Scripture, what it means to live a life of following Christ. When we got married, Elena had a very... um, well-paying and influential job in the airline industry. And as we were getting married, you know, going through the engagement and, and marriage, I, I said, you know, Elena, I just, I just feel like God is really calling me to seminary. And she was like, okay. And so she said, I will follow you. And so she resigned her big-paying job, and off we went to seminary. And all these years later, I'm still not making the salary she was making in her job. But each of you can probably tell stories about that in your marriages, where one or the other of you have, have, give, have followed and done things just because it's part of the marriage covenant. Following always entails a cost. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, which I I recommend to you, he, uh, he says a lot of good things. There are some things that maybe you know, aren't completely within the realm of, of, of reform Presbyterian teaching, but I'm going to read a, a section from this. So if you don't know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor, and, um, and he came to the United States in 1936, 37, somewhere in there, and um, was preaching and, and was invited to, to lecture, I think, at, at Union Theological Seminary, and all the stuff that was going on in Germany and um, was going on, and he felt compelled to go back to Germany, because what he said was, he said, if I am not there as the people go through the trials of what's going on in Nazi Germany, he said, I will not have the authority to go afterwards if I don't go and suffer with them. And so, he got on the last boat, the very last one that ever sailed from the U.S. back to Germany as a passenger, and he went back, and a whole series of things, but he ended up getting uh, martyred, uh, killed in the uh, Flossenburg concentration camp two weeks before it was liberated uh, by the uh, Americans. 
But anyway, he wrote this, this book on the cost of discipleship. The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him. Or it may be a death like Luther's who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world. But it is the same death every time. Death in Jesus Christ. The death of the old man at his call. Jesus' summons to the rich young man was calling him to die because only the man who is dead to his own will can follow Christ. Can I ask you this morning if you are following Christ? Have you answered his call? Because that is also the same call of our gracious God. He's, the call is there day after day. Come and follow me. The, the, the call is never not there. Christ is not only calling, he's commanding that all men everywhere come and submit. It is a call that it not only is a once for all call in our conversion, but it is a daily call to live in submit, glad submission to what Christ has called us to do. It is a constantly putting others before ourselves, dying to ourselves and living for others. That is the call of Christ. That is what Christ says when he says, follow me. The call to Peter and Andrew was at the very beginning. And interestingly, it was also at the very end. You'll turn over to John. John 21. So this is after the resurrection, and uh, they, they were out fishing, and they saw Jesus on the, on the shore cooking, and he goes, and he eats breakfast with them, and then Jesus has that conversation with Peter, and he tells him three times, you know, do you love me? And Jesus said, Peter says, yes, I do. He said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And then finally... Two more times, Jesus says this. He says, feed my sheep. This is John 21, 18. Truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after that, saying this, he said to him, follow me. And then interesting, he just restored him to full fellowship, basically forgiving him for his, uh, for all that he had done. And he follows up again with, follow me. And then Peter goes, but, <laughs> it's just, this is so much me. I don't know about you, 
But Peter turned and saw the disciple who Jesus loved following him, the one who had been reclining at the table, and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Isn't that, that resonates so much with me. Because I often look at others and go, Lord, what about them? But look at Jesus' response. He said, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So oftentimes, I know in my life, it's easy to look at other Christians and look at the lives that, and ways that God has called them and, and, and what they're following Christ looks like. And I'm like, Lord, this isn't fair. Why do they have that job? Why do they get that promotion? Why are they in that position? Why are they serving over there? And this comes as a clear reminder to me when Jesus is saying, what is that to you? You follow me. For each of us, our following Christ looks different in the externals. But in the internals, it should all be the same. May we be faithful followers of Christ this week. Lord, for the clear commands and scriptures of following you, we give you thanks. Lord, enable each of us to follow you with a whole heart, gladly serving you in glad response for what you have done for us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.